Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you, praise you, honor you, glorify you. You indeed are worthy to be praised. Thank you for allowing us into your presence, dear God. And Lord, we need to hear a word from you. I pray your word is going to go forth and accomplish your purpose. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray somebody's going to find comfort and strength, healing and deliverance, victory and power, hope, dear God, in the name of Jesus. Let some soul be saved. Let some backslider come home, dear God. God, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. There's a word from the Lord in uh, Psalm 46 is where we're going today. Psalm 46, and I'm going to read verse 1. Psalm 46, verse 1. Listen to what God's word says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble, triumphing in troubling times. How do we triumph in the times of trouble? And that's exactly what we're living in right now, in a crisis, catastrophe, calamity. These are troubling times, sickness, disease, disorder, even death. These are some troubling times that even our first responders don't have the safety uh, products that they need to, as they go to help others in order to protect themselves. The doctors, the nurses, the medical teams, the EMTs, the, the firefighters don't have what they need to protect themselves as they seek to provide public safety. These are some, these are troubling times in a nation like ours with not enough hospitals or hospital beds or medical supplies. These indeed are some troubling times, a global economic downturn. Not only are companies closing for a short period, but they're closing for good. Unemployment and those who had been underemployed now have no employment at all, job losses. And people are trying to figure out financially how are they going to make it through. Even the stock market has fallen to the lowest levels in history. Talking about this, this recession that may turn into a depression. These are some troubling times. And then millions of children with no opportunity to go to school. School is not just a place for many children to go to learn, but it's a place for safety. It's a place to get at least two decent meals, a free breakfast and a free lunch, a place even for their health care. But now that's not even available because these are some troubling times, times of fear and despair and inner anxiety and worry and depression. And in these troubling times, I got some good news from you right out of the Word of God. Psalm 46 and 1, that God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. This Psalm 46 
It's written by the sons of Korah. They wrote it as a song that was supposed to be sung in the context of worship, that, that when the believers came together to worship God in spirit and in truth, they were to sing this song, this, this psalm, this Psalm 46. But through the wisdom and the breath of the Holy Spirit, it became a part of our holy canon, the Scriptures, the Word of God. And the sons of Korah, these psalmists, they start off with God. And when you start with God, you know everything is going to be all right. They start with God. They say God. Now, before verse 1 is over, the last word is trouble. So you start with God, you still run into trouble. But because you started with God, doesn't matter what trouble you run into, everything's going to be all right because you started with God. They said, God is our refuge. God is. Matter of fact, I almost just preached those first two words today. God is. Because I know some of us are concerned who's going to see us through this. God is. Who's going to help us overcome? God is. Who's going to heal me when I'm sick? God is. Who's going to help me pay my bills? God is. Who's going to keep my mind through this mess? God is. Who's going to hold me in the midnight hour? God is. Who's going to help me deal with my children? God is. I almost preach just the first two words of Psalm 46 because I know those two words can get you through any crisis, through any time of trouble in your life. God is. And the psalmist, is God is, starting with God, this is the most ancient name for God. It's the oldest name for God. Uh, when Psalm 46 was written, it was written in Hebrew. We translated it into English. In the Hebrew, it gives the name of God, Elohim. Then we translate it into English and we say God, but it's really his name. It's Elohim. It's the most ancient name of God. It's the oldest name of God. Before Jehovah Jireh, before Jehovah Nisi, before Jehovah Shalom, before El Shaddai, before El, before Elohim, before all of those other names, it's Elohim, the most ancient name of God. We see it in Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. That's why he's called Elohim. He's the creative God. He's the God that creates a way out of no way. He's a God that makes a way out of no way. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But then Elohim spoke, said, let there be. And out of all of that chaos, Elohim created order. I don't care how much chaos we're in. I don't care what the crisis is. I don't care what the calamity is. Uh, we serve a God. In all of this confusion, he can bring order out of chaos. He can make a way out of no way. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, just because you run into trouble doesn't mean you miss God. We started with God and still ran into trouble. It's a trick of the enemy to make you think because you ran into God, something wrong with your faith. No, you believe Jesus died on the cross. You believe God raised him from the dead. You received him by faith. You became a Christian. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with your Christianity because you ran into calamity. It's that Christianity is going to help you deal with that calamity. Start with God. You still run into trouble, but you can handle the trouble because 
now in the time of trouble, you have a, a refuge, a safe haven. You have the strength to deal with what you're facing. We have a, a place where we can go. We can get in God even in the time of trouble. My friend, Dr. Theron Williams, he talks about, it's been a few years ago, but there was a fire at a bank in New York. And when the bank caught on fire, the fire just began to spread quickly and the fire was moving swiftly through the bank. And it burned chairs and counters and desks and office furniture and withdrawal slips and deposit slips. The fire was moving swiftly through the bank. Firefighters show up. They're able to control that fire, get that fire under control. The bank president has been outside the whole time waiting for him to have a safe opportunity to come into the bank. Well, after the firefighters got the fire under control, they allowed the bank president to come in. And he walked through the front doors of that bank and he walked through the scorched furniture. He walked past the residue of the, the withdrawal slips and the deposit slips. He walked past the, the burned chairs and the burned counters. And he walked up to that big vault and he opened that big vault and there the money was intact. The money was still there. The thing that had the most value in the bank had been kept safe through all of that because there was a safe haven there was a refuge for that which was most valuable. Other stuff was lost, but the most valuable part was still intact. Well, if a bank president has enough sense to keep a safe haven for the most important and valuable thing in the bank, how much more shall I heavenly father? That in the time of crisis, yes, some have lost jobs. Yes, some have lost employment. Some have even lost their cars and their homes, but you still got your soul. The most valuable part, your soul is still intact. You still have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, because God is our refuge. And when you start with God, everything is going to be all right. I want to read verse 2 and 3 to you. Psalm 46, verse 2 and 3. Therefore, will not we fear, even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Watch how he starts. <laughs> he says, therefore will not we fear. Wait, in the time of trouble, yeah, but we're not going to fear. The earth is removed, mountains are cast into the sea, that the waters are roaring to trouble, the mountains are shaking, but we will not fear. It's almost like we should get a pass for fear. I mean, all hell is breaking loose. We're in a crisis, a calamity. You would think with all this going on, we get a pass for fear because we're hearing one piece of bad news after another. Bad news, the earth is moved. Bad news, mountains in the sea. Bad news, the, the waters are roaring. Bad news, the mountains are shaking. One piece of bad news after another. And I know this for a fact, that if you and I are not careful to keep listening to bad news, we'll develop fear in us if we're not careful. Bad news on top of bad news, if we're not careful, fear will begin to develop. I know that for myself. I've been listening to CNN and MSNBC. I've been listening to Bloomberg. I've been listening to the local news. I've been online, and all I've been hearing is bad news after bad news after bad news. And I know I'm not by myself. You've done the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week, bad news. And I got to admit, 
fear was trying to creep in on me. And so I didn't necessarily turn off all the bad news. I don't want to put my head in the sand and act like nothing's going on. I want to be relevant. I want to be informed. But I, I did cut back on the bad news. But I added a whole lot of good news. I got in God's Word because if bad news develops fear, then good news must develop faith. The Apostle Paul says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And the more good news and the more Word in me and, I, I, and the more truth of God that got in me, it began to develop my faith and that faith began to push out my fear. Therefore, we will not fear. Though it's bad news after bad news, I would listen to CNN talk about the calamity that we're in and how bad it is. Then I go to the good news and hear God saying, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. That I would listen to, to Fox News talking about the virus and the sickness being passed from person to person. And, and then I would go to the good news and hear God is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God that heals. I'd hear Bloomberg talking about the stock market has fallen and what's going on with the economy. It's an economic downturn. But I go to the Word of God and get some good news. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I hear CBS and the local news and online telling me how terrible everything is. But I go to the Word of God for my good news. And we know all things work together for good to them who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's the good news that builds my faith to drive out my fear. Therefore, will not we fear? Well, what does that look like in the text? Well, verse 2 says that you got the earth moving, you have the mountains in the sea, you have um, the, the waters that are roaring, you have mountains that are shaking. Then verse 4 says, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city. No wonder I can, uh, don't have to fear. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. I got to slow this down. I don't want you to miss it. Therefore, we will not fear. The earth is moving. Mountains in sea. Waters are roaring. Mountains are shaking. Then there's a word there that says Selah. S-E-L-A-H. Selah. Now, when you're reading the psalm, you don't have to read that word. It's really... It's a musical term uh, for the musicians, for the praise team, and the choir. It's a musical term. It means to pause. So you don't have to read that. It's just know when you get to that point, then the musicians and the singers are supposed to pause and think about what you just sang about. Mountains in the sea, earth moving, waters roaring, mountains shaking. Pause. Think about it. There is a river. Okay, I got to tell you what that river means. There is a river. There is a river. The context for Psalm 46 is when King Sennacherib and um, the Syrian army came into Israel and seized Jerusalem, and they sat, surrounded Jerusalem, and they, they were seeking to attack them and overcome them. King Hezekiah was the king of Israel, and during times of unrest, little villages and people in the little cities in Israel, they would all come to Jerusalem because there's a wall around Jerusalem. It's a wall, a huge wall around the entire city. It's for fortitude. It's for strength. It's for protection. So all of Israel, most of them are in there in those walls. But this world power, the Syrians are outside waiting on them to come out. And King Zennacherib said with Syria, 
we know they got to come out because there's no natural water source in Jerusalem. So they got to come out to get water to drink, water to cook, and water to clean. But, but King Sennacherib of Syria didn't know is the king of Israel during a time of peace. What he did was before the war came, uh, he had some people to go to the Kidron Valley. And there's a, a, a body of water there, a natural body of water, the Guyon Spring. And King Hezekiah had them to dig a conduit, a channel underground that ran from the Guyon Spring, 1,777 feet underground, out of sight of enemies and opposition, under the wall into the city of Jerusalem. So they didn't have to come out to get refreshed and restored. There is a river. So the enemy didn't see it because it's out of sight. It's hidden. But the people called it a river. So when the psalmist began to say, the earth is moved, the mountains in the sea, the waters are roared, but the mountains are shaken, stop, pause, think about it. There is a river. Here's what happens, that God provides for us a hidden source of strength to help us, to sustain us, through times of crisis. Y'all got to get this. In the time of crisis, God provides us a hidden source of strength to sustain us when all hell breaks through. The enemy can't see it because it's subterraneous. It's underground. It's out of sight. It's, it's hidden. But there it is. Everything you need flowing into your situation. And so that's what God does with us. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, and we believe God raised Jesus from the dead, receive him by faith. His Holy Spirit moves inside of us. It's a hidden source of strength to sustain us through the crisis that we face. So your family and friends are wondering how you still have joy in this crisis. They're wondering why you're not pulling out your hair in this crisis. They're wondering why you're not jumping off a bridge. Why aren't you worried? Because you pause, you stop, you think about it. There is a river. The flow of God's Holy Spirit showing up in the midst of our crisis to sustain us in the time of trouble that we face. Now, let me read to you. Well, oh, no, let me do it like this because I want you to understand internally what God is doing with that Holy Spirit. At the University of Michigan, uh, the, the neurosurgeons, they were looking at what is called uh, gene variation. And as they study medicine, they look at a gene variation, they have discovered that there is one gene that is present in each individual, in each person, one gene that determines the tolerance of pain that we have. That one gene is able to um, produce endorphins, and these endorphins produce enzymes, and the enzymes metabolize chemicals, and then these chemicals bounce around in our brains and tell our brain the, the tolerance of pain that we're able to endure. So some of us have a high threshold for pain, others have a very low threshold for pain, and then the rest of us are somewhere in between. But it is that one gene inside of you and me, that chemicals that bounce around in our head that tells our brain, here is how much pain you can endure. So when you're born physically, and then naturally, there is that chemical in your brain saying, here's what you can tolerate. Well, when you're born again, something supernatural happens. When you're born again, 
The seed of God is in us. Here's what, when the Bible talks about salvation, sometimes it's called regeneration. The base word is gene. Regeneration. So we've been regene. The seed of God is in us. And that gene in us helps us to endure the pain we can tolerate. When the Holy Spirit moves in us, he doesn't prevent pain from coming but he gives us the strength to endure the pain when it comes. That when you're born naturally, that gene says, here's how much pain you can take. But when you're born supernaturally, the Holy Spirit is a pain killer and helps you to endure whatever takes place in your life because God provides the strength that we need to sustain us in hard time. Let me get to verse 5. We haven't read that far yet. Psalm 46, verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. I didn't want to rush past verse 5 because I know during crisis and calamity, in the times of trouble, uh, people sometimes wrestle with their theology, their understanding of God. And some people are wrestling now. Is there a God? Does God care? If God cares, does he even have the power to change my situation? Is God even interested in me? And so we begin to, some of us struggle with our theology in the time of suffering. And so the psalmist says, I want you to be clear about something with your theology and understanding of God, uh, that even when all hell is breaking loose, God is in the midst of her. And God shall help her. So here's what we learn in our theology. Based on the word of God, God is available and God is helpful. I know he's available because God is in the midst of her. And I know God is helpful because he shall help her. And see, that's important that God is available and helpful because all of us know somebody who's available. They're present. They show up for us. They're, they're there, and we appreciate their presence. They're available, but they're not helpful. They, they don't have any resources. They have no knowledge, no wisdom, no influence. There's, they're available, but they're not helpful. And then some of us know people who are helpful. They're just not available. They don't show up. They're They're helpful. They have the resources, they have the knowledge, they have the, the influence, uh, they have the wisdom, but uh, they just don't make themselves available to us. But when it comes to God, I'm convinced based on my trust in his word that God is in the midst <laughs> and that God will help. And I know you're wondering as you shape your theology, if God is going to help, when is he going to help? King James Version says, and God shall help her at that right early. That's King James Version. The new King James Version says, at dawn, and he shall help her at dawn. At dawn, we know when dawn is, right early. That's when, when things are at their darkest. That's when dawn shows up. Y'all, I don't care how dark life has gotten for us. The promise is that right early at dawn, at, things are at their darkest, God will help her. We call it, we don't call it dawn all the time. We call it sunrise. And it's really not sunrise because there's no such thing as a sunrise or a sunset. Our sun doesn't rise and our sun doesn't set. Our sun doesn't move. It's the earth that's rotating, not the sun. So really what it is, it's, it's at sun sight. And God shall help her at sun sight, even in the darkest experience that you have. At sun sight, God's going to... Not S-U-N, but the S-O-N of God. When we are open to receive the revelation of the sunset of Jesus showing up for us, that God will help us 
and that right early. And that's why in verse 10, here's what he says. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Yeah, because God, every now and then, he gets sick of us talking about we too busy to go to church or too busy to read the Bible and we too busy to pray and we too busy for the kingdom, we too busy to serve. God says, okay, since you won't be still on your own, I'm going to cause you to be still. I'm going to navigate the circumstances of life that Jeffrey Johnson, you have to be still. Be still. I've been telling the Eastern Star Church for a long time that we haven't always remembered the Sabbath day to keep and keep it holy. And when you and I don't have enough sense to be still on our own, and then God will cause us to be still. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Why does God make me lie down in green pastures? Because Jeffrey Johnson, you don't have enough sense to lie down on your own. Be still and not just be still and watch TV and be still, listen to music and be still and be on social media and be still and play games. No, God says be still and know that I am God. Know that I'm God. Not know intellectually, but know in terms of intimacy. Not just knowing your head, but knowing your heart. Some of us intellectually know God exists, but you don't know him in your heart in an intimate way. Be still and know. That's not intellectually. That's intimacy. In the book of Genesis, it said, Adam knew Eve. That doesn't mean Adam did a Google search of Eve to know in his head. No, he knew her. He got intimate with her in his heart. Maybe that's what God is doing during this time. As we shape our theology, God says, I'm going to slow you down so you'll be still and get intimate with me that believe Jesus died on the cross, to believe God raised him from the dead and put your faith in his work so that you can have a personal, intimate relationship with God. Let me get to the last verse. This is it, and I'm done. Psalm 46, verse 11. All hell is broken loose, and here's what the psalmist says. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In the midst of crisis, calamity, catastrophe, trials, tribulations, in the time of trouble, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Here's the last thing I want you to get, that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us in our crisis. That's what this is teaching us. People have been wondering, where is God? Where is Jesus? Hey, I'll tell you where he is. The Lord Jesus Christ is with us in the midst of our Christ. Now I know some of you are going to think that I'm pressing this. I'm trying to force Jesus in Psalm 46 because I know some of us, we think Jesus only showed up in the New Testament. My theology believes he showed up in the Old Testament too. And he shows up in Psalm 46 when the earth is moved and the mountains are in the sea and the waters are troubled and, and the mountains are shaken and the Lord Jesus shows up in that crisis. I know you think I'm forcing this in here, but I'm not. Because I missed it the first time I read it too. And it was Bishop Kenneth Ulmer from Los Angeles, California. He helped me to see it. Bishop Ulmer is such an intellect. He's such an academician. And he, he can read Hebrew. And he helped me to understand what verse 11 was saying in Hebrew. When it says, the Lord of hosts is with us, the Hebrew for with us is manu. 
The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob, God there is El. With us, that's Manu in the Hebrew. God, that's El in the Hebrew. Manu, that's with us. El, that's God. Y'all got to get this. Manu, that's with us. El, that's God. Here's what I'm trying to show you. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel spoke to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because uh, who she's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She wasn't with somebody. Holy Spirit did that. And she's going to bring forth the Son of God. And when she brings forth the Son of God, you're going to call his name Emmanuel. <laughs> Interpreted, God is with us. That's how I know that Jesus is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us, even in our crisis. Let me close it like this. God said, be still. Know that I'm God. I'm going to give this closing illustration, and I know some people are not going to be able to, be able to identify with this, but those of us of African descent living in America, we know something about when when our sisters and mothers and daughters, when they would get their hair done, that was not just getting their hair done. It was, it was a cultural experience. So you have big mama and grandmama and big auntie and, and mama and, and, the, and the daughter out on the front porch plaiting hair and braiding hair. It was a cultural experience. They, they passing on wisdom and passing on faith and testifying about the Lord. It was a cultural experience. If they weren't on the front, front porch plaiting hair, They'd be in the kitchen. They didn't always go to a hairstylist, a hair salon, or a beautician. They'd go to the kitchen and put that child in that chair and take that towel and, and put it around them and pin it off in the back. Then they take that hot comb and stick it in the fire on the stove. And then Big Mama start uh, putting some oil in the hair of the child. And then they take that hot comb off the fire and bring it towards the child's hair. And if you're not careful, you'll think that mama trying to burn the child. Mama not trying to burn the child, but trying to better the child, but need this hot experience in order to get things straight. And then the child would grab that ear and hold on to that ear and twitch and move. And then big mama say something like this, uh, be still. You see, I'm trying to straighten this mess out. Y'all, when God sends us through a hot predicament, in a heated situation, it doesn't mean he's deserted us and abandoned us. God will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't even mean in that hot predicament that God's trying to burn you in all actuality. He's using that heated situation to better you. And he's using it to work on your situation. And while you're doing all that twitching and moving and worrying, how am I going to get through it? I can hear God saying, be still. Know that I'm God. Be still. You see, I'm trying to straighten this mess out. Y'all, I've been a lot of places, and I've seen a lot of faces, but there have been times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hour, in that blessed lonely hour, the Lord came and told me I was his own. And so now I thank God for my mountains, and I thank him for my valleys, and I thank him for all he's brought me through. If I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in his word could do. But through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I learned to trust in God. And through it all, I learned to depend upon his word.